Okay, here we are uh, back on our end time study. Just another quick reminder, there were a few sessions that we had on Wednesday evenings that the topic did not get recorded properly. So I'm going back here um, and recording some of those that we lost. And just a reminder, typically I'm in front of a group of people who are having interac interaction back and forth. Uh, that will not be the case with this study uh, since I'm going back during uh, the day here and uh, recording this. Our topic that um, we're hitting today is the millennial or thousand-year reign. Uh, so thus far, we've talked about the rapture, the Antichrist, the seven-year tribulation, the mark of the beast, the 666, and the battle of Armageddon. So... Uh, but today the topic is the thousand-year millennial reign. And we need to go to Revelation chapter 20 and read the first six verses. So as I'm getting there myself, if you want to turn to Revelation 20, we will begin reading with the first verse. John said, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years were finished. But after these things he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So again, giving the timeline for those that fall into the premillennial um, predispensation view, um, the next great event to take place in prophetic history would be the rapture and then seven years of tribulation. At this time, the Antichrist will be revealed. Uh, the mark of the beast 666 will be instituted. And then after the seven years will be Jesus' second coming. And then the thousand-year reign, which we're talking about today. And at the end of the thousand years, the battle of Armageddon will take place. So uh, some details to this uh, millennial thought. It's a belief that teaches when Jesus returns at the end of the seven-year tribulation, he will establish an earthly kingdom and will reign over it for a thousand years with the saints. During this time, the temple will be rebuilt and the Jewish system of animal sacrifices will be resumed. The Jews will return to their homeland and the law of Moses will be reinforced, covering such things as the Sabbath and circumcision and the laws of marriage and divorce. 
it's believed the earth will be made new. And those saved during this thousand years, those will, excuse me, those saved will live during this thousand years. Children will be born, but they too will need to accept Jesus as Savior. Some will die, but some will live very long lives. Some will not get saved, and when Satan is released at the end of the thousand years, those not saved will follow Satan. At the end of the thousand years, Satan will be loosed, and Jesus will fight him and all those on Satan's side. And to reiterate, Jesus will supposedly use his sword to kill his human enemies. The carnage will be beyond belief. It has been reported that the blood will reach the bridle of the horses that the armies will be on. Again, this is uh, what um, many believe today. Where, where did this come from? Where, where is the historical background to this? Well, if you remember, our two Jesuit priests, Ribera and Alcacer, uh, they were tasked with coming up with a narrative to combat Protestant teachings that the Pope was the Antichrist. They invented a story with the timeline as outlined, as we've already outlined. But they were not necessarily the first to have such a thought on a millennial reign. Egypt, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome all taught of a future golden age when evil would be suppressed and good would be ushered in. Zoroastrianism the national religion of the Iranian people expected a thousand-year period to follow the downfall of their enemies. The Jews. The Jews taught the future coming of Messiah. They taught that the Messiah would execute judgment upon the enemies of Israel and reestablish the throne of David in Jerusalem in splendor. And they expected the Messiah to establish an earthly kingdom. So this concept existed long before Ribera and Alcacer came along. Then men like Irving and Darby, Schofield and Gray, along with Ironside, adopted this view and expounded it beyond Ribera and Alcacer's wildest dreams. But we see some problems, some errors with this view. It's important to note that neither Jesus, his disciples, the Apostle Paul or the Scriptures teach this doctrine. Revelation 20 is the only place that mentions a thousand-year reign, and it does not say it will be here on earth, but that the souls of the martyrs will be with Christ. According to the premillennial thought, the millennial reign is based on the thought that Jesus' kingdom will be set up on earth and will last 1,000 years. However, we know Jesus already set up his kingdom when he came the first time. It's a kingdom of the heart. This kingdom is a present-day reality. Look at Matthew 3, verses 1 through 2, Matthew 4, Matthew 4, verse 17, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, to look at that. This kingdom is, is a kingdom not of earth, but of the heart. Luke 17, 20 through 21, John 18, 33 through 37, and Romans 14, 17 establish this point. So we know this kingdom is not something to be set up here on earth, but it's one of the heart, one of the soul. 
premillennialists do not hold to proper, proper biblical interpretation. They place a literal meaning on passages and books that should be interpreted symbolically. For example, when the Bible uses the term a thousand, it's often used symbolically to describe that which cannot be described, an indefinite quantity, an infinite number of something. For example, in 2 Peter 3.8 it says, With the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. We know this to be symbolic of God's infinite existence. In Psalm 50 verse 10, it says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. Now, is this saying that there are literally one thousand hills on earth, and they all have cows grazing on, on them, and God knows about all of them? No, of course not. It's symbolic. It's a, it's a symbolic way of describing the infinite and innumerable resources of God. But those who adhere to a premillennial doctrine set aside the practice of proper interpretation and make Revelation 20 to mean that when Jesus returns, he will set up his kingdom here on earth that will last for a literal thousand years. This practice of improper interpretation lends way to further false teachings, such as creating an entire doctrine out of a secret rapture, the rebuilding of the temple, the reinstitution of animal sacrifices, which if you think about it, that alone eliminates the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross and puts us back under the law. does not make sense. Supposedly, Jesus will reign with those believers here on earth, but how will this be possible if all the saints are raptured, if they're raptured out of the earth? So that does not line up as well. And regarding Jesus killing with his sword, that contradicts what Matthew 26:52 says. And you can look that up on your own. So let's talk about some explanations as to what Revelation 20 does mean. In order to understand what all this is talking about, I want us to first look at verses 4 through 6. We've already read this passage, but let's read verses 4 through 6 again. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Simply put, these three verses, verses 4 through 6, are talking about those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ, especially during the time of pagan Rome and papalism and early Protestantism. As we've already discussed, between these three systems, millions of Christians have been killed for not renouncing their faith in Jesus and joining them, which would be taking the mark of the beast. But their decision came with a price. Many lost their lives, but they gained 
thousands of years, or symbolically, they gained infinity with Jesus. Reference to the thousand years with Jesus is simply a way of saying their position will never end. Because they made the decision to stay loyal to Jesus, they will reign with Jesus for all eternity. Verses 5 through 6 talks about the first resurrection and the second death. Let's briefly hit that. What does it mean when it says the first death? This is a reference to the original sin and how everyone is born into it. God told Adam and Eve if they ate of the forbidden fruit, they would die. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. However, they did not die a physical death immediately, but they died a spiritual death as sin was born and they were separated from God. And you can also look at Colossians 2:13 and Ephesians 2, 5. What about the second death? This occurs when the physical dies and nothing has been done to take care of the first death. Those will suffer, these individuals will suffer under the consequences of the second death, which is what? Eternal separation from God spent in hell. Now, this passage does talk about a first resurrection. What is that? Well, this takes care of the first death issue, which also takes care of the consequences of the second death. This is when one accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior. And this is the only thing that can make someone blessed and holy, as it says in verse 6. You can also look at John 5, 24, Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. Again, this takes care of the consequences of the first and second death. It has no power over those who have experienced the first resurrection or who have experienced new birth in Jesus Christ. Verse 6 also talks about the priest of God. Revelation 1.6 speaks of this as well. It speaks of the redeemed as being priests, thus mirroring Revelation 20 verse 6. You can also look at 1 Peter 2.5 for a relating passage. Revelation, so Revelation 20, 1 through 6, has nothing to do with the physical, but is all spiritual. It is introduced by an angel, which is a spirit being. He comes from heaven, which is a spiritual place, it's a spiritual realm. He carries a symbolic key, similar to the keys of the kingdom which Christ gave to Peter. The key was to unlock and subsequently lock up the bottomless pit, a spiritual place. The devil which is seized is an evil spirit. The ones who reign with Christ are described as the souls of witnesses who gave their lives as martyrs for the faith. Again, referring to the spiritual nature of the soul. The first resurrection is the spiritual new birth which makes men blessed and holy and free from the power of the second death. There is not a single shred of evidence of any grand earthly domain of Christ. Let's talk about verses 1 through 3. Let me go ahead and read that with you. Then I saw an angel coming from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more 
till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. The age-long struggle between good and evil, between God and this world, between Christ and Satan, that's what this is referring to. And it ends, this struggle ends with the ultimate triumph of good. The early church suffered the cruel onslaught of paganism, which we know symbolically, the Revelation talks about paganism being the dragon. But the church triumphed by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Revelation 12.1. Next came the torment under the, under the symbol of the beast through the Dark Ages and the false prophet of Protestantism. And then it says, but after these things, he must be released for a little while. This is a reference to our present day. How Satan is trying one last time to wreak havoc in our world as one nation after another is becoming more and more anti-God, is becoming more and more pagan. Uh, I've recently uh, had a discussion with someone from Great Britain, and they told us that only about 2 or 3% of Great Britain or Europe is Christian. The rest of it is pagan. And that was a shocking statistic to me. Um, this world is under the control of Satan. Satan is still deceiving nations. Missionary work has become extremely dangerous. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, immorality, lawlessness, crime, sensuality, the love of sports that takes us away from God and the church are just a few examples of how Satan is still loose in this world. Going back once again to verses 4 through 6, uh, these verses refer to those who have chosen Jesus instead of the ways of the dragon, the ways of the beast or the false prophet. Many have been persecuted and died for their faith. They and anyone else who refuses to bow to any man-made system will rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years, for infinity and beyond. So that gives a rather quick summary of Revelation 21 through 6 and covers the topic of the millennial reign, a thousand-year reign. Hopefully this has been helpful. Again, as I tell everyone, don't just take my word for it. Study for yourself and uh, ask God to open your eyes. Lay aside any prejudices, any former teachings that you may have had growing up and Ask him to reveal the truth to you. And, and, and as all, um, as in every situation, may these teachings ultimately drive us to draw closer to the Lord so that whenever he does come back, we're ready and our eternal destinies are secured based on living our life for Jesus Christ in this life here and now. Thank you very much, and God bless.